0: Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan and Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast, joined by my co-host Mickey Turner. This is the other voice that you hear. And Tim Foss, of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. Just the bottom line is they they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. Very special guest Brian Spencer. head coach. Yale Sounders, you know who he is. Brian, how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing. and This isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says,
1: tough times don't last, tough people do.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shann, and I'm joined uh, with a very special guest today, Henry Wingo, uh, a local product from, Sh- from Shoreline, right? Lake
1: Forest Park, but uh, For- with the okay. high Shoreline. But I like to say Lake Forest Park because that's where I grew up.
0: Absolutely. Yes, that is a, a fair distinction. But obviously a-, a-, a UW alum, a Sounders Academy alum, and of course a Sounders first teamer and a Tacoma Defiance player. So uh, you're now in Molda in Norway and kind of living the dream, I suppose.
1: Yeah it's uh it's been a a big transition but I guess you could say living the dream you know I got a, a lot to play for this week as we're you know two games away from playing in Champions League and if you go back a year year and a half ago you could I could have said you know that sounded pretty far fetched but now it's a, it's a reality and so yeah living the dream for sure
0: yeah, so you, let's let's start there since you bring it up. Uh, you guys are playing – how do you pronounce – you're playing a Hungarian team in the final round of Champions League qualifying, and, and then at that point you'll be going into the group stage. Uh, if you get past this next team, you'll go to the group stage, and you might be playing Barcelona or Real Madrid or Manchester United or Bayern Munich or any one of the biggest clubs in the world. But uh, I think that would make you potentially – the first Sounders Academy alum to play in Champions League. I guess in some ways you already. This is maybe technically already Champions League. But uh, have you thought about the pioneering aspect of this, and 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 just how far and how fast this has kind of happened?
1: No, I mean, to be honest, I really haven't. Like I've just been focused on the day to day and just trying to you know take it one day at a time and one game at a time but when you say pioneering it's kind of crazy to think about because I think in a lot of ways I really am the first person from where I'm from and with my background to be doing what I'm doing you know a kid from Seattle a kid from UW a kid from Sounders Academy to you know have this opportunity I think for the most part, I'm I'm probably the first in a lot of those different categories. So it's, it's wild, but you know, that hasn't really been my focus. My focus has just been, you know, achieving the goal that is Champions League and we're getting close. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. And it's not like it's, the region is starved for high achieving players. I mean, there's plenty of national teamers that have come out of here. You know, DeAndre Yedlin is currently in Premier League. Uh, obviously Casey Keller is kind of a local product he'd spent a ton of time in Europe Marcus Hahn I mean, go down to Chris Henderson go yeah. down this list and it's like I don't think any of these guys played in Champions League
1: right absolutely it's like Seattle has always been you know a hotbed for talent and you know extremely good players players who've achieved you know incredible heights in their career but like you said I, I'm not sure any of them have played in Champions League so for me to, to be the first one to do that and put my name next to some of those that you mentioned is just crazy to think about.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And, and so the team that is currently standing in your way is, man, I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Ferenc Varos?
1: Yeah. Varos? Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty close. I'm not sure I would do much better, but, yeah, Hungary. <laughs>
0: side. I mean, but the, I guess in a way you have been playing – like during this whole time that this qualifying process, and I would even, even in these, in your league games, you're playing teams that you've probably never heard of, that you're having to learn new, new names. You're having to learn new pronunciations, new uh, collections of consonants and vowels together. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's gotta be kind of a, an interesting experience to be living this very worldly thing when you'd spent up until now your whole you, you obviously played uh, you, you were born in the area you grew up in the area you played for your local college you played for your local pro team you played for defiance I mean it was like your whole career had been spent in Seattle and all of a sudden now you're seeing you're you're flying I, I guess you played in Cyprus recently
1: yeah no it's 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 crazy how how quickly things change like to think about I spent 23 years of my life living in the same city you know and I traveled obviously the U.S. extensively for through soccer growing up and you know other parts of North America Canada Mexico whatever but like hadn't really been to Europe before this and you know now it's like okay we're going to Serbia and we're going to Greece and we're going to Iceland and we're going to Cyprus and we're going to all these different places that you know I would have never really thought I would have been playing football in but you know now I am and it's just uh it's been quite an experience but it's been really really fun.
0: So has there been any any one place that you've played or a team that you played that you kind of had to pinch yourself and been like what what is this journey I'm on? Yeah
1: um last year Right after I transferred from Seattle to here, I think, like, came, like, you know, moved here. And then, like, a week or maybe two weeks later, probably, like, two weeks after I moved here, the team was in Europa League qualifying. And we were going to Greece to play a club called Arias. And I don't know if you've ever seen the fans in Greece before. But
0: stories from Michael Schwerning.
1: yeah, it's like it's really, really hard to put into words unless you know, like, words can't do it justice. Let me say it that way like, you have to be there. And it was the most unbelievable atmosphere I've ever seen, like, seriously incredible. If you ever have the chance to go to an Arias match in Thessaloniki, Greece, I highly recommend it because. You won't regret it. It was really, really incredible.
0: So I was doing some research for this interview yesterday and I, uh, first of all, I I realized I didn't know if Molda was the name of the town or if it was just the name of the club. Uh, I assumed it was in kind of like a big city. Turns out it is not a big city. Uh, And then I did a little bit of more digging and not only is it not a big city, but it but you guys play in this stadium that I'm going to let you describe, but I will just say it looks like something out of, you know, like a mod, like they just took a modern stadium and dropped it into a setting from like Lord of the Rings or something.
1: And you literally took the words out of my mouth. I think it's the, what is it? The fellowship? Is that the first one?
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: You know, when they're going down the river at the end and there's like mountains on both sides and. Like, just the most beautiful, picturesque setting you could ever imagine. That's literally what it is. But with, like you said, this beautiful, modern stadium just sitting, you know, 30 feet off the edge of the water. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Like, to anybody who's listening to this, I, you should check out our stadium on Google Images. It's pretty, pretty incredible. But uh,
0: yeah. you say that as someone who grew up down the road from Husky Stadium, which it itself is very picturesque, but this is like a whole different level.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like Husky Stadium, of course, is, is unbelievable when you have Mount Rainier as a backdrop. But imagine if you moved Mount Rainier up, you know, 80 miles, and it's, you know, <laughs> just across the other side of Lake Washington. That's what you're looking at when you come to Molda, like mountains within touching distance and, you know, not all these – houses on the hills, but just trees and, and snow and just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. So it's pretty cool.
0: And what what is the town like? You know, I, I, I say it's not one of the big towns, but you maybe had a better way of describing it.
1: Yeah, um, I think as far as Norway is concerned, it's a moderate-sized city. You know, there's only so many cities in this country that I think you could call big Molden, not really one of them, but yeah, for someone who's grown up in in Seattle, you know, and been around big cities their whole life, moving here was was definitely a a big change. Like there's just, it looks completely different. It's, you know, small. There's not, you know, tons of stuff to see and do uh, other than like outdoor activities. So it's uh, definitely a, a big change in that regard. But um, yeah, it's it's nice, you know. Life's a little bit a little bit slower, I guess. But you know, when you can get to practice in five minutes in the morning versus fifty five minutes that used to take me to get to practice in Seattle, I I definitely like that. So
0: that's a yeah. plus. So how do you get around? I mean, what's like do you like? I don't know how bike for a long time. I was, for a long time, I was
1: just walking because like my apartment is half a mile, maybe less from the stadium where we train. So I would just, just walk to, uh, walk to training and, you know, grocery stores on the way. So stop at the grocery store for food and things like that on the way home. But no, now I have a car, which is nice. So you can get around a little bit more. Now that I have a car, the city actually feels a little bit bigger because like I can get to places that I would not have been able to get to just on foot before. And so it's kind of um, opened up a little bit since getting getting a car. But, yeah, it's it's nice.
0: Has there been any kind of cultural adjustment for you? I, I would imagine English is pretty widely spoken, and I'm guessing you don't speak a ton of Norwegian.
1: Mm, yeah, you're pretty spot on there. Like, English is – obviously, everybody's English here is pretty close to perfect um so it's like i understand you know an okay amount of norwegian i don't speak it that well but you know it's also not the biggest issue because everybody hears english is perfect more or less
0: are they pretty like are what what's the experience of trying to learn norwegian i mean my my like i have never lived overseas but my understanding is in places like that it's sometimes very tough to learn the language because the assumption of the person you're talking to is always that they speak English better than you speak Norwegian. Right. Right. I think that, gonna that default to English.
1: That's pretty accurate. Um, but also like the guys here are, and the people around the club are also like, you know, very encouraging. Like they want you to try and learn and they're patient, you know, obviously they're not going to expect you to be, to be speaking it perfectly the way they speak English. Cause I think, they start learning that in school when they're like seven or eight years old. So they have a lot more, uh, more years under their belt in terms of form language, but you know, it's, it's an okay place to, to, to learn another language. If, you know, like I said, the people around you are, are patient, but um, I think that also comes with being a part of a club. Like if say mm. yeah, I was just somebody living over here, you know, not, you know, in a super close knit group, Um, every single day trying to go around the city speaking Norwegian, I think you would definitely find that people would be defaulting to English nine times out of ten.
0: And so uh, how have you found it culturally in terms of like, have you picked up any new things there? Have you tried some new foods? Do you, was it hard to find food that you wanted to eat?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest missing piece is like, latin american food or mexican food like that is that was always my go-to in seattle and like or anywhere in the u.s i guess it's just that's always been my favorite food and it's very hard to come by in norway i think i found like one place maybe in oslo that i would say has like good tacos or burritos but you know i'm not there that every day so definitely missed that but um as far as the rest of it goes i mean it's not not too different from what i'm used to you know it it rains a lot here. There's seasons. The summer we had some a few good weeks. Um, it's beautiful, like Seattle. You know, all the people are super nice, super friendly. So it's
0: um, it's not not too bad. Did you come back here during the off season, or did you stay over there?
1: Yeah, I came back uh, over Christmas and the New Year and stuff like that, and that was nice because I think I mean I think it was natural to to really miss home at first you know I was here for for four months or so before I came back and you know I was really looking forward to coming back um, just because you know being on your own for the first time in your life for you know an extended period of time is can feel a little bit isolating but um, it was nice to come back and recharge but then after you know a few weeks at home I was I was ready to to get get back here and get back to work. So it's it's been good.
0: So you made this move last year, uh, I guess kind of around mid-season in the I guess it was kind of mid-season for both leagues, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we
1: follow about the same schedule.
0: And wh- so what was the what was the process like for you and and if you could just kind of like walk us through a little bit of of uh that whole situation we didn't really get a chance to to talk to you after you after you you left essentially.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think um, I just wanted to try something, try something different because um, I'd been in Seattle for for two and a half years and, you know, as great as the place it is to be, it's my home, it's my hometown club um, and all of that, but I just wanted to try and go somewhere where I felt like I could play a bigger role, you know or at least bigger than what I was doing in Seattle. And um, like I said earlier, um, Magnus and I, we had a pretty good relationship in in Seattle and we stayed in touch after he left and came back to Molda. And we spoke a few times about me um, coming to Molda and being a part of this club. And, you know, as that third season of mine went on, you know, the more I thought, you know, maybe it is time for me to, to make a change and try and move somewhere where I can, you know, sort of break out or solidify myself, you know, and compete at the level that I know I can, you know, week in and week out. And um, when I made that decision, you know, I spoke to the club and they said, okay, yeah, we, we support you, which was really nice of them. And then uh, the two clubs started talking and then it just happened pretty fast after that.
0: Did you have to, and by the way, the Magnus is Magnus Wolf-Ikrum, who of mm-hmm. course played for the Sounders in 2018, I guess. Right. 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 And um, and so it sounds like even though he was only here a short period of time, you, you two had kind of struck up a friendship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you could say that.
0: Yeah. And so when you went over there, was it, was it on a trial or were they just, they brought you in kind of relatively like just normal scouting process? Yeah, I think it was,
1: I guess you could, you could call it a trial. I mean, looking back on it, I think it was more of a trial for me to mm-hmm. see it. I liked it. I think they, they knew that they liked me, but I think it was more of like, did it, what I, did I like it? Cause I remember coming here and, to try was like two weeks or something like that, and then on like the second or third day I, our manager pulled me aside and said, We're gonna do this, <laughs> so you like, feel good, yeah, that was nice, so uh um, yeah, trial I guess is the right word, but um yeah, so stayed for two weeks or ten days or something like that, came back to Seattle, and I think when I came back I think that's when I just they were sorting out the rest of the formalities and I started mm-hmm. to help people at the club and this and that and then you know it was on to the next thing so yeah that's kind of how it happened.
0: Did you know pretty quickly that there was a situation that you wanted to you that you were interested in exploring like really exploring long term? Yeah
1: yeah no I'd, I've always wanted to to play in in Europe and this was the opportunity at hand at that time and you know I definitely thought a lot about it but at the end of the day what kind of pushed me to commit to the move was like okay I have this opportunity this is something I've always wanted to do and if I don't do it now you know who's to say I'll have this opportunity again or who was to you know i I didn't want to be stuck in a situation where I would think to myself, you know what if i what if I had gone you know so mm-hmm. I said, you know what why not let's let's just do it so
0: so looking at your stats a little bit the the first season you you were getting into games, you weren't playing a ton, mm-hmm. uh, but this year you've really kind of turned into you've you basically become the starting right back,
1: yeah, yeah, no last year um I think this team was in a situation where they were finding it difficult and, you know, I 100% understand the logic, you know, when you're winning every single game, you know, you're in a really close title race, but you know, you're leading the title race. You're in qualification for Europa League and doing well. Like it's hard to change the team at that point when things are going so well. Um, So last year didn't see the field obviously as much as I would like, but for reasons that I understand. Um, but then this year, you know, going through preseason and sort of feeling out the the process of, okay, who's going to be, you know, the first group and who's going to be starting in this position and that position and, you know, those sort of things that you have to figure out at the start of the season. Um, you know, being here for for that critical period, and putting in some good performances early on in the year, I think, you know, the the staff really really liked what they saw, and you know now have a lot of trust in me, so that that feels good.
0: And so you have, uh, you've you've actually scored a couple goals over there. Mm. Uh, what was it like just scoring your first goal in in European competition?
1: Uh, it's uh it felt really good. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to say other than that. Um, anytime. You know, as a defender, it's like it's not your your number one job. You know, I think as a defender, you got to defend first, and keeping clean sheets is you know very important. But then, whenever you can add to um, the score sheet, you know, whether you're getting a goal or getting an assist, is is a great feeling. So uh, to be able to get my first one. Um, a few weeks back and then score again yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was is uh, is, it's feels great. So, you know, I'm excited.
0: So um, have you given much thought to the long-term prospects of, of what this means? Like, are you hoping to eventually come back to MLS or the Seattle, or do you feel like you might just kind of see how things go in Europe for a while?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really don't know. I mean, I, right now, I've just been looking at the short term, like, you know, we're not in champions league yet. So we gotta, we gotta climb that hurdle first. And when we get there, you know, you put in good performances in that level of competition. You see it every, every year, you know, anything can happen for any player. So, you know, we want to get there and do as best we can and, you know, whatever opportunities come about in the future, I'll, I'll take them as they come. But right now it's just the short term is, is all I'm focused on, all the team is focused on.
0: And, um, and so switching gears a little bit, uh, obviously, this has been kind of a crazy time to, to be away from home. I mean, it's a crazy time to be anywhere, frankly. But yeah. I would think especially strange time to be away from home. Uh, how has, how has uh, the region where you are handled the whole COVID situation? And how has the club handled it? Is it something that is like constantly on your guys' mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been a lot better um, to be here than to be back home. Just to put it simply, like, I think we know and we've seen in the news and we've seen the statistics and things like that about how critical the, you know, response times are to these types of situations and if, The U.S. had done this, you know, a week earlier, two weeks earlier. You could have saved X amount of lives, whatever. Um, But Norway, I think, was really proactive and really on top and had a great response. And um, I'd not, you don't quote me on this, but I heard that where the region where I'm in, in Norway, hasn't had a single COVID case since. Oh, wow. Um, like April or March like it's been almost more or less just normal life here so wow it's we've been really really fortunate in that regard granted we've still been getting COVID tests weekly just to make sure um, everybody's safe and everybody is uh, you know taking the necessary steps to to stay safe. But yeah, we've been really, really fortunate, especially in this part of the country Oslo has seen some more cases and things like that. But like, as far as deaths are concerned or like long-term hospitalizations, like it's been so, so minimal here. So that's been, that's been great for us, but yeah, like you said, it's tough to, to be this far away from, from home and look back and see how hard everybody else has it.
0: So are you guys playing I assume you you guys don't have fans in the stadium maybe I don't know Do you no have- they're letting like uh two hundred in okay per
1: game right now, so hopefully we hope to increase that number, but I mean it's all up to the um health and
0: sure.
1: safety protocols and you know those decisions aren't up to
0: us so <laughs> of course yeah <laughs> um. So one of the other things that's been going on here, and I would imagine that has also kind of touched where you are is, is all these protests that are going on um, the black lives matter kind of raising awareness against police brutality. Have you, have you kept track of that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think everybody in the world and rightfully so has kept track of that to, to some extent and credit to all the people, you know, back home, Making them vo- making their voices heard, and you know, getting out in the streets and you know, putting putting their foot down once and for all. Um, it's it's been really tough to to be again be this far away from home during during something like that because obviously for me being an American and being an African American, I'm no stranger to um, that kind of you know discrimination and even being from Seattle, a place that, you know, all things considered is very, very liberal and very accepting. But, you know, as a kid growing up in the area, I still would see or hear things that, that bothered me, you know, on a daily or weekly basis. So it's, it's huge. Um, And I'm really happy to see the, the reactions from the public and, you know, the pressure that the people are putting on, um, the, the police, uh, systems and, you know, all the systems that, you know, have been oppressing people of color for, for so many years. So, um, hopefully we can continue to keep the pressure on and, and make some progress. But yeah, you know, it's been tough because I wish I could have been out there, you know, protesting with, with my friends and with my family, but, um, it's just one of those things where I just... Don't have the option to to come back for so
0: sure
1: it's been tough but uh you know i'm I'm so proud of um you know obviously the city of Seattle you know being one of the centers and focal points of this you know global and historic movement so it's been that's been cool to see
0: and my understanding is there has been some protests in in norway and and near you mm-hmm. yeah no Oslo
1: has had some protests um I think Bergen has had some protests, maybe like Stockholm, Sweden, and some of these bigger countries in Scandinavia have, have, you know, come out and shown support as in the same way that I think a lot of big cities around the globe have. Um, and that's, that's uh, amazing to see as well, because, you know, it's obviously these cities are not like, you know, these Scandinavian cities, they're not, you know, immune to these types of, um, this type of oppression or discrimination and things of that nature, but obviously on the scale that, you know, we see in the United States and, you know, the ugly history that the United States has in regards to these issues, um, you know, they, they I guess you could say are strangers to that, but to see them come out and support, you know, a cause that is, you know, geographically so far away from them and at the same time, you know, not quite as big an issue in their own countries probably, but to see them showing support for, you know, different nations and just people of color all over the world is is huge and hugely inspiring. And it's um it's really uh, great to see.
0: Well, uh, that feels like probably a, a good place to end this, Henry. Um, just wanted to make sure you know people here are definitely paying attention to what is going on with you it's been uh really interesting like, i would love to be able to watch more games i don't know that we are able to yeah, find i, I get that question
1: wires. i get that question a lot um people are always asking me how can you watch your games how can you watch your games and honestly i don't know <laughs> if you're not in norway i don't know what what our channels have our league games or even the the uh champions league qualifiers i think maybe because this is the final round of qualifying one of the more uh prominent tv broadcasters back stateside might be showing our games this week but you'd have to double check
0: yeah we'll have to we'll have to do some research on that but i would yeah. think at the very least if you guys can get through this round you might even be on on uh tv we could actually yeah. like really watch you
1: yeah i think if uh we make it through this round you'll you'll definitely see me on tv in a couple weeks on you know whatever service provider you choose so that'll be that'll be exciting let's hope for it
0: yeah absolutely well best of luck um again it's it's been cool to see this uh local boy makes good in in norway and um you know best of luck and uh yeah hopefully we'll catch up with you again if you uh keep moving on in this tournament
1: yeah sounds good thanks for having me and if uh like I said, if we, uh, if we progress like we hope to, we'll, we'll do this
0: again. All right. Absolutely. Well, uh, this was uh, Henry Wingo. I'm Jeremiah Oshan, and uh, that was the Sounder at Heart podcast.